0: Okay, we have another podcast. Sports, they're coming back slowly, a little bit at least, and we've seen a lot of success and we're with Shane again. Um, We've seen the return of sports, we'll get into that. Some Eagles news, a little bit of Eagles news, the NFL Top 100. Um, We'll talk about that. The Phillies started their season. The Phillies had a little bit of a They have a COVID scare going on right now. We'll talk about that. I will guess a few colleges where some players attended. That's always fun. And we'll also talk about the Sixers a little bit. But uh, we'll start off probably the biggest news Eagles-wise we've heard. uh, Lane Johnson, starting right tackle, best tackle in football, was diagnosed or tested positive for COVID-19 a few days ago. He's currently quarantining which is good. He has a young family, has a few kids and a wife, so it's important that he doesn't um, spread anything to them or anybody else. Um, But disappointing news, nonetheless. Um, What what are your thoughts, Shane? What what were you thinking when you heard the news uh, with Lane's diagnosis?
1: Yeah, well, health and safety are obviously paramount, so that's where your first thoughts have to go, just How's he doing? Um, He put out a statement where he said he says he's feeling fine. Um, He still obviously tested positive, but he said he's feeling well. So that's good. Um, And then two other Eagles players are on that COVID list as well. That's Nate Jerry. And who's the other player?
0: Uh, Jordan Mailata.
1: Mailata, right? Yeah. So we don't know if they tested positive for the virus or if they um we're just in contact with someone who tested positive. Right. But either way they are going to be quarantined for a while. Um in terms of football impact, you know, the Eagles players themselves aren't gonna see the field for a little while anyway. So maybe by the time they see the field, Wayne and Mylotta and Nate Jerry will be back in action. But you know, all that stuff's secondary. You just hope that they're feeling well first.
0: Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um I know that Lane went to a few weeks ago. I think it was some offensive line um, conference, if you want to say it. I don't think that's the best word, but some event for offensive linemen. And I think there were pictures of him and people there weren't who weren't wearing masks. And I think uh, it's definitely important for uh, everybody, not just the Eagles, uh, but in this case, obviously, if the if people want a football season, everybody needs to wear a mask including the football players themselves. And I guess the question really quickly, what Shane, what are your thoughts? Do you think this is going to become in I think do you think the owners are going to have to get involved and say guys you you have you can't you can't be doing anything right now in public and if you do go out in public you have to wear a mask. Yeah,
1: and I I think the medical professionals with each team are are preaching that but at the same time there's so many players in nfl you've got a 53 man roster with a i think it's a 16 man practice squad this year all practicing together most days of the week so all it takes is one guy from team to go out and be stupid and not wear a mask bring it back and infect teammates and then you know you've got a whole baseball situation um so uh We'll talk about we'll get into this more later, but I think it's gonna be very hard to pull off the season without having to have postponements and um in this non bubble situation. But we'll get into that later.
0: We will. And just to add on to that, related news, Marquise Goodwin, the Eagles speedy receiver they just traded for during the twenty twenty draft, is opting out of the season, uh, in fear of COVID nineteen. Pretty understandable on his part. I know um uh he and his wife have had to attempted to have a child three times and had um disappointing news for two of them and now i think they finally were able to have a daughter who is months old so you you understand why he wants to opt out especially when the nfl uh if you opt out and, uh by a certain point I think you make $150,000, which is a pretty good deal. Um, So you understand why he wants to opt out. I guess going forward, this gives opportunities to some rookies on uh, the roster right now.
1: Yeah. um, With players like Marquis Gowen and the other players you've seen across the league opting out, I just think um, I totally understand where they're coming from. Health and safety comes first, especially when you have uh, you know, newborn kids or family members with um with medical conditions that make them in the that put them in the uh, vulnerable category. So I understand where that's coming from. Then from a football perspective, yeah, um the Eagles are gonna need these young receivers, especially the rookies, Jalen Rager, um Hightower, Quez Watkins, they're gonna get a bunch of opportunities now. So it's going to be nice to see what they can do, and hopefully, they can use this time to develop.
0: Yeah, well, we wish good luck to uh, Lane, Nate, and Jordan. Of course, it's obviously important that their health is the first priority. Um, but going on, uh, this this could be uh, this could be an interesting segment. We'll dive into. Uh, well, first, well, I'll acknowledge um, that LaShawn McCoy signed with. Tampa Bay Buccaneers really quickly Shane um to me it looks like Tampa Bay is in win now mode mode they got pretty old in my opinion with Brady Gronk and now LaShawn assuming he makes a team what was your initial thoughts last night when you heard the news
1: uh just you know well first of all LaShawn wasn't active in the Super Bowl for the Chiefs um he kind of fell out of favor there so Getting, he's getting older. How old is he now? I want to say 33-ish. I think he's 30 32. 32? 33? Yeah. He's only 30?
0: No, 32. 32. Okay. okay. Yeah.
1: So, it'll be interesting to see what he could do down there. And again, as we've talked about on this pod before, it's going to be a lot of fun watching the Buccaneers with Brady and all those weapons. From Eagles perspective, he was one of the guys that um, you heard rumors that Howard was looking at acquiring so now that he's gone, really the only guy left on the market um, who's one of the upper-tier players is Devontae Freeman. Personally, yeah. I don't want to sign him. I don't want to give away the resources, especially if it's a contract that's three, million, $4 million. Um, I'd rather just roll with the young guys that we have right now.
0: Yeah. Um, they need something. I think they need to shake it up a little bit and add so. And I don't know if Freeman's that guy. Uh, money-wise and health-wise. But I do think they need to bring in someone else. Maybe they trade for uh, Royce Freeman, someone like that. But something in that ballpark. And to LaShawn, I think it's low-risk, decent reward for Tampa Bay. I won't say high because I don't think he's going to be that productive. But he's experienced. He's very talented. We know what he's about. Um, I think if you put the ball in his hands, occasionally he can still do some good work. So we'll see on that end. But if they want to try to use him as a workhorse, give him more than six carries a game, that could be a little much. But we'll see. Not the worst move by Tampa Bay, clearly in win-now mode. With that, we'll dive into the top 100 Uh, This is a list where Carson Wentz was not voted as a top 100 player by the players, nor was Lane Johnson. What was – anything stand out with this list, Shane?
1: Well, I'm just going to go ahead and say this list is a complete joke. Yeah. It is a joke. If you look at the players that are on it – so I'm just going to look at the QB position right now. The players didn't vote Carson on it, yet they had Kyler Murray at number 90, Josh Allen at 87, Ryan Tannehill at 68 the same Ryan Tannehill that threw for like 82 yards in a playoff game all he has to do is turn around and hand it to Derrick Henry Kirk Cousins at 58 Dak Prescott at 46 Carson's better than Dak we all know that Jimmy Garoppolo at 43 I had to double take when I saw that That, it's just craziness (laughs) that the players have Carson not on the list and have all those guys in the top 100 um and I've heard that when the players pull out this list, they just vote for their teammates. They vote for their friends. Right. Half the, half the guys in the locker room don't even do the list, so it's just I don't think it's a very valuable list.
0: Yeah, I don't either. There's some uh, <laughs> there's to begin. Uh, Marlon Humphrey at 86 seems very low. I think he's a very good cornerback, and I think he's low there. Not the, <laughs> Kyler Murray, of course, at ninety i don't know I don't even know how they get on this on these types of lists i don't know what their measurement is for what they're looking for. It can't be production, and it can't be winning either because there are so many guys on this list who didn't produce more than other guys who aren't on the list, and there are so many guys on this list who didn't win compared to others who aren't on the list who did win, which is kind of that's my biggest fault with these kind of things and how much publicity it gets um so like you were saying earlier 51 Todd Gurley that Todd Gurley's not a top 51 player in the NFL <laughs> there's there's nothing around that um he's he's not that good that team the Rams weren't that good they missed the playoffs um Garoppolo at 43 is disgusting he's not a good quarterback he single-handedly in the fourth quarter lost the 49ers the Super Bowl I'll say it Awful. It's very hard to overthrow Emmanuel Sanders, even at the age he is now, and he still did it uh, in the Super Bowl against Kansas City. Other guys, like you said, uh, Tannehill, stop. Larry Fitzgerald at 69 is not. Larry Fitzgerald is a great receiver, one of the best. He's not a top 100 player in the NFL. James, in comparison to him, Jameson Crowder had better statistical numbers than Fitzgerald this year, so I don't know what to say on that Josh Jacobs at 72 is very high he's not a top 100 player, I like him I think he's a good player going forward for sure, but he's he's not top <laughs> he's not a top 100, let alone 72, I have someone like Fletcher Cox and Keenan Allen is very bold um what else, this this is Devontae Adams at fifty. Yeah, at 57 is very low, in my opinion. Uh... Yeah, let's go through where some of these
1: Eagles players rank. So the yep. Eagles had five players ranked in the top 100.
0: Which is pretty good, statistically, compared to the 32 teams, but go ahead.
1: But then you look at where they're ranked. Fletcher Cox, 73. Yes, he's coming off of the down year, but he's still one of the top, if not... The second best behind Aaron Donald, interior defensive lineman in the league, right. and he's ranked at seventy three. Sure, Zach Ertz is eighty five. He's pretty unanimous as you know the fourth best tight end, um, but he's all the way down there at eighty five. Darius Slay, again coming off a down year, but you'd think he'd have the respect to be higher than ninety two, which is where he's ranked. Right, and then Jason Kelsey, a staple at center in the NFL for the past eight years who's been playing at a first-team all-pro level the past four years he's at 94 and then brandon brooks who many believe is the best right guard the best guard period um maybe not counting quentin nelson but yeah uh brooks is definitely up there he's at 98 and then there are some other eagles who aren't on there we already talked about carson but if josh jacobs is on there at 72 or whatever you said yeah 72 yeah where's miles sanders because sanders had just as good of a year as josh jacobs Had a and then where's year. where's lane johnson yeah. it's just i i don't like this list
0: yeah very weird um we always have these conversations about this list going forward and the eagles are definitely victims of uh of the seedings and other players probably are as well other teams as well uh good breakdown the eagles also just staying on this list tom Brady was ranked 14th they're I don't know if Tom Brady would, should be top 75 this year, if we're being honest. And to put him at 14 is <laughs> unbelievable. But <laughs> um, who else? And obviously the biggest surprise, I'm saving him for last. And I think you would agree with me, Shane. Patrick Mahomes at four. Um, he was the best player in football this year. One of the best seasons I think anybody's ever seen at the quarterback position. And you have Lamar Jackson at one, which is way too high. He's not the best. He's just not the best football player in the NFL. Wilson at two. Yes, he should be top five. He's not better than Mahomes, so that's that's wrong. And Donald at three, who I think the Rams went eight and eight this year, and missed the playoffs, which rubs me the wrong way if you're going to put him ahead of Mahomes. Head scratching, to say the least. Um... It it's so it's so funny because like there's so many outliers on this list. Like usually you only have one or two, and there's like eighty four. So <laughs> yeah,
1: any any list of the top players in the NFL that doesn't have Patrick Mahomes at number one, and especially this list that has him at number four, it's just this list is canceled.
0: Just cancel the list. Yeah, it, it, you hear all these guys that are on these shows like ESPN, like Kendrick Perkins. And they like them because they're former players. But a lot of the times, like, you hear these players, like, speak about the sport itself and analyzing the sport. And you're like, wow, they really don't really get it. And that's not to, like, point the finger at anybody. But a lot of the players, I think, we know that it's not taken as seriously. They just vote for their friends. But, like, in general, this is is where I think writers... And other professionals who do this for a living might be able to put out a better list, of course. But any last comments on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's some players that you know have really good analysis, and I trust what they have to say. And obviously, there's some players where I don't really care what they have to say in terms of analysis of other players. Yeah. Um, so I would like to see a list where they take you know those highly respected players, they take the head coaches, um, some offensive coordinators defensive coordinators some front office staff some of the top writers on the sport and then create a comprehensive list that way yeah I would like to see what those results are and I guarantee Carson will be in the top 100 in that list
0: yeah I want to see a list too that does 32 it's sort of like a draft where you're picking at one you want to pick the player you would build your franchise around and then you go from there yeah with other picks and (laughs) you Carson would be a Top seven pick in that, yeah, Mahomes would be Mahomes would be number one for good reason. So that's where I think that's more realistic, a better option instead of this uh fantasy stuff, I guess. I don't even know what to call it, but yeah. All right. Um we'll dive into the Phillies. They're not playing right now because of COVID. In the Marlins coming to town last week. Um, But I want to do a quick reflection on the three games they played this year so far. Uh, I think everybody would say it's been pretty disappointing from what we've seen. It's been a a decade almost. This team hasn't made the playoffs in around 10 years, and not much has changed. I think uh, when it comes to hitting, they got better. Didi in the lineup is great. Um Jay Bruce, I guess DHing a little bit and having him get more at bats is very good. But pitching against Shane, just looks like it could be such a downfall. Uh the bullpen it looks like it's the worst in baseball. I think the starters are hit or miss, and that's uh unfortunate because I do think they got a little better, but still not good enough. What was your uh what were your initial thoughts on that?
1: yeah well, it's for some reason, going back to last year, the Marlins just had the Phillies number, and the yeah. Marlins are a bad baseball team. they're not good and then you take into account that on Saturday and Sunday, some of their key players were out with what we found out later tested positive for the virus, so yeah. you're losing to a team you're losing you're dropping a series to a team that is very bad to start and down key players um there are some positives, though. I, I do I do like the lineup. Um, D.D., we saw what he can do. He's a nice player to have there in your lineup. Um, Bryce, uh, he hit that big three-run home run to start the game. He thought that would catapult them mm-hmm. on Sunday to a win. But, of course, um, due to the bullpen and due to Vince Velasquez, they couldn't pull that out. Yeah. Um. One surprise positive on Sunday was Adam Paisley. He went four for five, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, did a couple of doubles. He looked pretty good. I wouldn't mind seeing him... Roman Quinn. Um, at the pitching, um, specifically the bullpen, it's just, it's really bad. It is really bad. There's no one that you can trust to go in there and get a key out. And there there are a couple of solid pitchers in the bullpen, but... Just the depth is not there, and I really don't believe in this bullpen at all.
0: Yeah, my gripe with Hazley was um, even though he had a decent average, I think around two sixty five last year, it seemed like uh, hitting still was not as consistent. And he looked good uh, game three for sure. Uh, the bullpen not good. <laughs> Pavetta's not good. Cole Irvin, that's he shouldn't be in baseball. I don't I don't know what what else he's talented in uh he should not be pitching. <laughs> he's just not he's not a major league pitcher. Reggie McLean. I don't know who thought that was a good idea. He's the same th- he's not a major league pitcher. Um these they <laughs> we we need a little more especially when the Velasquez experiment, he gives you you assume he's going to give you 3 maybe 4 innings and then you have to re- rely on your bullpen. Uh it's a tough pill to swallow. So yeah, uh, Wheeler looked good. He, he did. He looked very good. He looked, uh, I think, personally, I think he's the best pitcher on staff when he's dealing. It's all about consistency and health, but if he has those two things, I think he's uh, very good. Um, but, yeah, I think they'll hit more. Like I said, I like that, but yeah, you got to be able to pitch a little bit better to flirt with. 32 wins i think this season and uh i don't know if we're gonna see that
1: yeah i i like the lineup i like nolan wheeler at the top uh-huh. but then when you look at the three through five pitchers and you look at the bullpen there's just a lot to be discouraged about um but i think this is a good segue to go into our next topic which is really more important than mm-hmm. the three games they played against the marlins yes
0: yes yeah, so uh Phillies haven't played after the Marlins game because, as we know, the Marlins had now I think it's 20 players who tested positive for COVID and nobody wants to play the Phillies now, rightfully so, um, like the Yankees and Toronto, because they don't want to travel here and they don't want to be in the same clubhouse locker room as the Marlins were, which is very understandable. So everybody else has probably played around two series, while we're still only, we're trying to play, I guess, game four. Um, And that's been, uh, I know there was Philly's coach who tested positive. So far, the players haven't, um, which is a little surprising. Very good, but definitely surprising. Um, And I I don't know where we go from here, Shane. I don't know how they make up the games. I don't know how they get to 60. I don't know how they have a season. Um... Moving forward as a whole with the MLB, so what are you thinking
1: yeah it's just it's really difficult, and the thing is everything sort of dominoes, so we were supposed to play the Yankees this week, as you said, yeah. and that that series can't go on because of the Marlins who came in here, and then this weekend we were supposed to play the Blue Jays, but again because of the Marlins, and the thing is um, once you come into contact with someone who has tested positive, the CDC has pretty strict guidelines where you should be quarant- quarantining for a decent amount of time. Yeah, And it takes a while for a test to come out positive. Um, so what I mean by that is if you come into contact with someone um, and you're not testing positive the first couple days, uh, it, you could still test positive day four, day five, Day six, and that's where we are right now for the Phillies, and it's concerning because a clubhouse attendant and a coach who have been around the players have now tested positive. Um, so I would think chances are a player or a couple players are going to start testing positive for the Phillies.
0: Yeah, um, if that's the case, I think that I think we're just too far uh, from getting back on the track with the season for the Phillies. I the MLB didn't really have a plan in place uh, for this to happen or or, or I guess I should say for to make adjustments. I know they had a 60 man roster, but they're not using that and they don't really know where to go. If a whole team has an outbreak, they just know to cancel and suspend the games uh, for now. So this has been completely botched by the MLB. I think uh, Rob Manfred should step down, not just not a good commissioner. It's a hard situation, but I think uh, they should have been spending a lot more time, rather than the fake negotiations they had with the players a month ago trying to focus on the safety and health of MLB players and somehow try to put out a form of a bubble if you wanted to play. So, that's just, those are just my thoughts, I guess.
1: Yeah, and I- the, the league knew on Sunday morning that the Marlins had a couple players test positive. Right. And it seems like the Marlins took a team vote and decided to play. And I just don't know how that happened. If, if there's four guys that are testing positive, there's probably going to be more. And then to let them go out and play a game against the Phillies, it puts the Phillies in jeopardy. And it's just, it's just a bad situation. And now you're seeing um, the players on the Cardinals start to test positive. So then you look at who they played previously, and you have to test those guys and do contact, contact tracing there. And then their series against, I think it's the Brewers, is going to be postponed as well. So it's just
0: an ugly situation. And we've seen so far, even though it's early on, we've seen that the MLS is able to do their own quarantine season in Disney World. The NBA is able to do it in Orlando and Disney World as well without having an issue so far. And it looks like the NHL has done the same in Canada without any issues as of right now. So all this travel, it just seems inevitable that something like this is going to go wrong. If you don't have a bubble system in place for baseball.
1: Yeah, it's the, it looks like the bubble is the only way to do this in a safe, in a safe manner without, um, exposing players to the virus and again i think that's impractical impractical in the mlb and in the nfl with these big rosters um so i just don't really know how the mlb is going to continue to play and i don't know how the nfl is going to play on time
0: yeah it, it makes you question the nfl too i now i know now that they're they might be thinking about doing a quarantined season under a Bubble, which would mean they would probably only be able to do a ten week season. Um, I don't know. It's 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 very messy. We'll see. I guess. I guess time will tell all. Uh, especially right now, but very messy. Um, it's uh, yeah. Not. I don't know what else to say. But we'll move on. Um, we'll do a segment here where Shane will. Say seven players, I guess, and I will have to say which college they go to. Is this uh, is this basketball or football?
1: I did a little bit of a uh, little bit of both.
0: Okay, yay! All right,
1: and then a wild card sport too. But well, I I always enjoy trying to think of where players went. So yes. I figure it would be a nice segment to add to the pod.
0: Well, it's always funny because I consider myself okay at this, and then like I'll know somebody obscure for some reason, and then somebody who like. Well-known established player, you draw a blank on. Kind of interesting how that works, but we'll 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 start with this. Let's see, who do you who do you have?
1: All right, I'm gonna start with. Don't get these. So the first one came to the Eagles in a trade in mid-season last year, and that's Gennard Avery. Where did he go?
0: Gennard Avery, oh god. Um. Can you give me a conference?
1: The American Athletic Conference.
0: Oh, God. Uh, Janard Avery went to... Tulane.
1: No, he went to Memphis. I was
0: going to say Memphis. Oh, well. Oh for 1.
1: 0 oh, for 1. That's a Not shame. looking good. All right, second player. Yes. A free agent that signed... With the Eagles, he's a safety from the Denver Broncos.
0: Will Parks? Will Parks went to Arizona. Very good. Okay. It would have it so would have been nice too if Will Parks from North Philadelphia, mind you, stayed home and went to Temple. But it's okay.
1: Don't get me started on that. All right. <laughs> Moving on to a Sixers player. Okay. We're gonna go with Kyle Quinn.
0: Kylo Quinn. Went to the Cinderella Wonders Norfolk State University.
1: Very good. Very good. That's one of those obscure ones that you either know or you don't. Yes. You knew it. All right. Now we're going to broaden the horizons to the NFL a little bit. Okay. Jimmy Garoppolo.
0: Jimmy Garoppolo went to um, Northern Illinois.
1: Correct state, wrong direction. Eastern Illinois.
0: Okay, there you go. That's, that's a tough one, now right? Eastern Illinois. School, even
1: though they have produced uh, Tony Romo, Camus, Grugier Hill, but Eastern Illinois.
0: Pretty good uh, group of people for that school.
1: Yeah, not bad. The next player, another small school, yes. Cooper Cup.
0: Cooper Cup. He went to... He did go to a small school. Did he go to, like, Eastern Washington? Oh,
1: very good, Jim. Yay. Very good. yeah, Eastern
0: Washington. Let's go. All
1: right, we're going to go to the NBA now. Okay. Prob- I think he's the shortest player in the NBA. Okay. But he's been around forever, and I thought of him because he torched the Sixers' deep bench in the fourth quarter in overtime of the scrimmage the other day, and that is J- AJ Perea.
0: Okay. So this is what I did on tests in elementary school. If I never if I didn't know the answer, I used to write everything I knew about the question, like the facts, so you could get partial points. I know JJ Pereira is from Puerto Rico. I'm going to say this is a trick question, he didn't go to college.
1: That is incorrect.
0: Oh no. He went
1: to a school in the northeast. Okay. In Boston. Do you have a guess now?
0: Uh Boston College. Nope. Northeastern. Northeastern. Wow. Really? Yep. Really good player at Northeastern, but
1: I didn't know that before. I want to say I looked it up during the Sixers game actually. Yeah. Now a player that we saw in the NBA restart last night for the Los Angeles Lakers he's become a meme. Javale
0: McGee. Um where did JaVale go? It's a good question. Um I know his mom played in the WNBA and was very good. Uh out of curiosity, did he go to college? Yes,
1: he did. Uh, all the players. Uh, okay. That I'm gonna do in this. They all went to college. No, no trick questions.
0: Javale McGee. One, two. I've seen. I'll give you a hint. I'll okay. give you a hint.
1: They made an elite eight a couple years ago, but they're a small school on the West Coast. Maybe not a small school, but they're not in a Power Five conference.
0: Okay, so... And
1: it was a Sweet 16, not an Elite Eight.
0: Okay. Uh, small schools, West Coast. Not Gonzaga. They went further. Mm-hmm. Except they kind of choked. Not San Diego State. Nope. Not... Cal, too big. Correct. Maybe Pepperdine, but not locking that answer in right now. All right, Tom, just guess. Guess an answer. Uh, UC Santa Barbara. No, Where Nevada. You... Oh, I've definitely seen that before, but definitely did not remember that.
1: Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah. So this last one is going to be a non-football, non-basketball player. Okay. It is going to be... Bryson DeChambeau. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right.
0: You are DeChambeau. Um, I know like so many other golfers too. Where they went? That's a shame. You picked him. Uh, give me a conference. American Athletic Conference. Look at all these American Athletic conferences. Okay. Um, Bryson went to. Uh, he stayed where it's always sunny, great for golf. He's he was at uh, South Florida. Nope. Oh,
1: he was at SMU. He was a pony.
0: Oh wow, good for him. Dallas Rising. Um, you, you I wish you, you could have said so many other golfers. That's a, that's a next shame. next time. I'll yeah. have another golfer. Next All right, time. sounds good.
1: So, let's see. Let's tally up how you did.
0: Yeah, that was Avery not good. Avery
1: was wrong. You yes. got Will Parks. You got Kyle Quinn. Okay. You did not get Jimmy Garoppolo. No. You got Cooper Cup. Yes. You did not get JJ. You did not get Javille McGee. And you did not get Bryson Deshambo. So, you got three out of eight. All not
0: right. good enough. That's not that good. We'll try to... Uh... Yeah, we'll try to do better. That's not that good. But um, we'll do another one of those next time but we'll wrap it up with um little Sixers talk they had three exhibitions they only won one but of course the outcome in these exhibitions don't really matter what matters is how they're playing with their starters and overall especially when Joel played the starters in my opinion looked pretty good defensively I thought they were very very good and offensively, they had a lot of great moments when they were shooting the ball well, moving the ball as well, um, setting up offense. Especially when Ben is not um, the unofficial, I guess, point guard and bringing the ball up, um, they have him a little more off ball. But of course, he needs the ball in his hand. I thought it looked good. Shane, what did you think?
1: Yeah, I. Uh, so I have some notes on each player, but overall, I think the team. With the starters out there, I think they look pretty good. Yeah. Um, they handed it to the uh, the Grizzlies and the Thunder. They just blew them out of the gym. Right. They struggled a little bit against the uh, the Dallas Mavericks, but again, in, in Embiid didn't play in that game. Um, he has been practicing recently, so I think he'll be back for the start of the these eight regular season games. But um, the first game that he played he he looked good he looked pretty active he knocked down a couple of threes um but the main person i want to talk about is ben simmons because this is his first couple games primarily at the power forward position and i thought especially the first two games he looked really active yeah um he got that ball at the foul line extended area um and when he had a smaller guy on him, he was able to go inside. You saw that when Chris Paul was guarding him. He just bullied him inside. Um, and then he just also made things happen. He'd get to his spots and kick out the shooters, and that's one of his best qualities. He had nine assists in his second game, I think. He had uh, a lot of assists in the other game, too. Um, so I don't think putting him at the four is really limiting his touches. We're doing a good job of getting him the ball. Um on each possession and, and he's doing some good things. Um, and then of course when Embiid was in there, the, that first game against the Memphis Grizzlies, you saw Ben take two threes, which was huge. Um, there was a defender pretty close to him. So it wasn't like it was wide open, yeah. but he shot it with confidence and his second three obviously went in. So that's a huge step. If he can continue to, uh, be conscious about spacing the floor and having the confidence to knock down shots, um, that's what we've all wanted from the very beginning and um, I think we're going to see that more when Embiid is in the game because when Embiid gets the ball in the low post and the defense collapses, that's when Ben has the opportunity to really space the floor um, and get some separation from the defender closing out. Um, It's harder when Embiid isn't in there because mm, the defense doesn't have to collapse in, but it's a a really encouraging sign.
0: I think Ben looked like when if you want to recap the exhibitions, I think Ben looks like a legit top 10 player. And I know he always hovers around the 15 to 20 mark, the unofficial mark, I guess, when people think about who the top 20 players are in the NBA. But through, through the exhibitions, he looked like a top 10 player, great at distributing, uh, wasn't making many mistakes either. He's he's a pretty smart player, but I thought he was playing incredibly smart in the exhibitions uh He shot the ball, which was nice. I think the form looks pretty good there's no it's it's not markell uh esque either i I think you could correct it a little bit, but I think it's fine and a lot of the times the shot goes in too, so you take that um and i I thought the team as a whole when you had your starters in looked good. I know game one against Memphis they had around ten guys in looked very good the rotations look good but i wanted to ask you shane if uh i know come playoff time nba teams usually stick to around eight sometimes seven sometimes nine but mostly an eight person rotation if 10 players are clicking do you see uh do you see brett sticking with uh the 10 or going down to uh less people uh contributing for the team
1: Well, what I heard is that he's going to experiment with 10 guys during the regular season games, Yeah, these eight games leading up to the playoffs. And then once he gets to the playoffs, he's going to shrink the rotation a little bit to eight or nine guys. Mm -hmm. Um, So just to run through the rest of the starters, I thought Toby looked really good um, in the last game. I think he had 28 points. Uh, Grab boards, looked really dominant there. But um, Shake Milton, I thought yeah. like he's done a really good job of, um, you know, just being in control, um, not playing too fast, getting guys the ball where they like, and then also hitting open threes. Um, but then you, you look at the rotation, and I think Al is a lot to be the sixth man. When a B comes out, you put Al in. Yeah. Um, his shooting touch has looked pretty good in Orlando, although I think he's been a bit slow on D, so i like to see that improve and then i think matisse is also going to be in the rotation just cuz how disruptive he could be on defense. And then and then there's a little bit of a question mark for these last couple spots in the rotation.
0: Yeah. Um i thought matisse looked very good defensively slashing to the basket as well with or without the ball. Um but i think with him it's going to be he's still i guess technically a rookie still in his in his first year. I think there still could be moments come playoff time where he he'll flash moments of deer in the headlights. So I think it's nice to have the luxury of him contributing, but hopefully they have the flexibility to take him out here and there, especially if we're not we don't have a great offensive unit in and sub him in for offense here and there. And then if you need some stops, you can put him in later in the game. But it looks like they do have more flexibility with uh just talent, I guess, coming in and off the court. And it starts with, uh, I think, Shake's productiveness as an offensive player and being able to bring Al off the bench.
1: Yeah, and then speaking on the rotation a bit more, there's one player that um, I thought looked pretty good, and then there's one player that I was a little disappointed in in those scrimmages. So the player that I thought did well for himself was Alec Burks.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, this is the guy off the bench. He can create his own offense. He could knock down an open three. Um, he's pretty good in the pick and roll situation and getting to his spots and hitting that pull up jumper. Um, so I think he could definitely carve himself out a role on this team as a creator off the bench. And then the guy that I was disappointed in was Furcon Korkmaz And, you know, he's kind of a one skill guy, he's a shooter. He didn't shoot too well in the uh, in the exhibition games, um, and again, you know, shots are going to come and go. He's going to knock some down um, in due time. But I was pretty disappointed on the defensive end as well. He was pretty slow on his closeouts, um, and I, I just don't know in a playoff setting where every basket is is tough. I don't know if he can be in there to uh, to be trusted on defense and then to be trusted on, you know, getting a tough bucket if need be.
0: Yeah. I noticed a lot with Furkan too, like you mentioned on defense, there were a lot of back doors that, um, he let happen. Part of me to be nice to him, I guess I would say that it's hard to, I guess to be, to give him a little slack or not, or to, um, give him a little bit of a break. I think it's tough to, uh, play good defense when it's an exhibition game and it doesn't count for anything. I think it's probably hard for players to say, all right, I'm not good at defense. This game means nothing. I'm going to really, really try to be a good defender when I'm not. Um, But that's being very generous, of course. I think uh, hopefully at least they'll have the flexibility to in the coaching. That's a big one. We'll need Brett to uh, be aware of this, but hopefully there will be times where you can plug him in and then take him out immediately. Um, sub in defense for offense, or offense for defense, um, with Furcon. Uh, hopefully, that could be a thing after these eight regular season games, or whatever they're called. More importantly, going into the playoffs.
1: Yeah, it's tough for him because, as we've seen during the regular season, he can just have great shooting nights where, you know, he knocks down five, six threes. We've seen that before um but again on the defensive side of the ball he's such a liability that it's hard to know when to play him um and when not to play him so i don't know brett's got his work cut out from there
0: yeah quickly i guess uh the nba did start last night two interesting games i like that they were close and they came down to a final shot at the end that's always exciting um I, I, nothing specific, specifically I want to talk about Utah or New Orleans They're whatever. But I thought the LA game was very entertaining, even though it was kind of sloppy, a lot of turnovers. But I think you saw so many stars with Paul George, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Kawhi Leonard go at it, which was really fun. Um, we, Clippers are a deep team. That's all I'm, for now, that's all I'm going to say about them. Being able to do that without Harold and uh, Lou Williams, and also Landry Shaman having a pretty bad game, what was uh, what do you think about the battle uh, with the LA teams, Jane? I
1: I'm just glad to have basketball back. Yeah, basketball, and I love watching that game, especially the ending. It was back and forth, really close, great great players battling. Um, You saw LeBron digging on defense on that last possession. so I don't want to be overly opinionated on that game just because it was the first game back. And, you know, these guys are rusty. They haven't played in a competitive setting for such a long time. But if that's a preview of what's to come in the Western
0: Conference Finals, that's going to be a terrific series. Yeah, I'll take that. And I think the uh, Lakers did win by two points. Um, LeBron James put the put a go-ahead. Uh, I guess a layup off of his own miss to win the game. Um, To me, I thought the Lakers, good team. It's great to have LeBron and AD, but there are going to be a lot of times, maybe it was because they haven't had a real game in a while, but I thought offensively there were just a few times during the game where they were abysmal. And it was was hard to uh, come by points with them, like it is for a lot of teams, but them especially, where, you know, you have LeBron, you have AD, and then afterwards, Danny Green's good, Kuzma's okay, Dwight Howard's a good backup, and I, it, it, I, I'm i excited about the series. Hopefully, if, if it's those two in the Western Conference Finals, I think it'll be very fun. No doubt. With that, um... I guess we'll, we'll really quickly we'll talk about the Sixers a little bit going forward. They have their first game tomorrow, August 1st, Saturday. Um they play Indiana. What do you think uh who do you think's going to win? I think the Sixers take this one. Um
1: Indiana's banged up. Um Sabonis I think is out for the entire rest of the season. Uh, he hurt his foot and then Old Depot. He wasn't supposed to play at first, but he has decided to play. He's still a little banged up, and I think he's going to be rusty. So, as long as Embiid is healthy, um, I think the Sixers take that one.
0: I do too. I think uh, starters being able to play more minutes, opposed to playing the first half in the exhibition and maybe a little more afterwards, but not much. It's going to be big. Um, and I think I think they'll win. I think uh Sabonis gets under uh Sixers skin too. He's a good player, so it's nice that he won't be playing. Uh I think they win that and I haven't looked at much of the schedule, but the the other seven games. But from what I've heard it sounds favorable for the Sixers front. Uh anything on that chain?
1: Yeah, I've looked ahead at the schedule and there's only a couple playoff, uh, you know, high-seeded teams that we're going to be playing. So most of our games are against teams um, that aren't in the playoffs right now or are on the fringe of the playoffs. So it's a it's a favorable schedule. But you know, I'm not too concerned about that and what seed we get right now. I'm just, I just want this team to you know keep building on the chemistry that they built in the bubble, keep experimenting with different things, and hopefully. Ben and Joe can come to sort of you know form a cohesive unit, and I think that's the most important thing.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, it's exciting to have basketball back. Uh, just to go over the rest of the schedule here, we have, of course, starting off with Indiana. We both think that's going to be a win. We then have uh, the Spurs, Washington, Orlando. Portland, Phoenix, Toronto, and Houston. That's it. Out of those games, the the bias in me only sees Toronto and Houston as being a loss, but Portland also could be because they need to make the playoffs, and they're also pretty good in my opinion. Not great, but they're in this reason for they're in this uh, situation for a reason, but. I could see them losing to that team as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Um, It also depends if we're resting guys and how seriously we take these games. But, you know, it's it's just good to have it back.
0: That's true. With that, we'll have more updates and information as the season goes on, more comments on that. But for now, um, that is it for today. And hopefully going forward, we'll have less news about things not going as planned, such as the MLB and more stuff, more positive news like the MLS and the NBA having a successful return so far.